0: It's that time. Oh my Everything and anything basketball, presented by The Outrage. With Cajun sirutani Castleman and host Spencer Byers, this is Polar Opposites.
1: Welcome everyone to, I'll say the Thursday edition, but the Thursday edition on a Saturday. Yeah, a little bit late, but better late than never, Cage. We were not able to get one recorded mm-hmm. last Thursday. We're now able to get one recorded technically. I'll say this Thursday, but regardless, we're here. And we are just before the playing tournament that happens on the 4th-5th, I believe, when the quarterfinals start. So we can do a prediction of who we think will win the in-season tournament. That's going to happen over the next week that we will probably talk about as well on Monday. But Cage, we'll start off with game one, Celtics versus Pacers. Do you like the Pacers or the Celtics in that matchup?
0: Well to me this depends on if against plays or not. Um because the problem is who's gonna be playing in that in season tournament? Because now Halliburton's listed questionable for this ga- for today's game against the Heat. Um uh, if Halliburton doesn't play, we all know who's going to win that one. We saw we saw what happened between the Celtics and the Pacers last time these two teams played against each other, and it was in Boston. Boston pretty much 50 then. But if Halliburton plays and Porzingis plays, this gets interesting real quick because it's in Indiana, and Indiana is great at home and loves to play at a fast pace. Now, do I think Boston is the more talented team? Yes. But home corner advantage and the fact that the frenetic pace that Tyrese Halliburton will bring
2: offensively, I'm not so certain Boston can keep up with that. So for me, I know this is going to upset you,
0: but I got Pacers just because it's at home and and because of Tyrese.
1: Well, I'm going to say the Celtics win regardless because Jason Tatum will be well-rested. He got ejected in the game yesterday. I uh, don't like the Celtics play tonight, so he'll be well-rested for the game against Indiana in Indiana. So obviously, I've got the Celtics to beat the Pacers for obvious reasons.
0: Mm. By, for the, reason, by, 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 by the way, Hul- that would have and- been...
1: Halliburton Holl- makes it a 50 to 45 point difference to maybe a 25 to 20 point difference.
2: But here's because, the thing: they're at home. They're at home, man. and they play better at home.
1: Yeah, who, who? Everyone should play better at home. But I think the Celtics are able to come up with a big win and a per- and then improve to the semifinals.
0: I think this game's just going to be closer than people think.
1: I think it's going to be a great game. It'll probably be the best game of the of the four. In my opinion. Next up, the game that no one's gonna want to watch: the Pelicans versus the Kings at 10 o'clock on Mondays. So
0: oh, easy call the, the next day. Who
1: do you got actually? Here? Maybe, Pelicans
0: maybe this might n- may not be so easy now that McCollum's back in the fold. But I still got the Kings. I still got the Kings. Like I said again, frenetic place you're playing in a raucous arena a raucous, in front of a Rockets crowd in Sacramento. Fox a bonus. You know what they're going to do. Um, and I think New Orleans is just starting to get back into the fold now that McCollum is back. And now that they have some of their guys back, and I think, like, Russ, Russ will show. And
2: I got the Kings in that one, and I don't think it's going to be close. Or Zion's gonna have to
1: wait a little bit longer. I also will light the beam and take the Kings to win that game, as you mentioned, it is in Sacramento. And Sacramento's five and two at home, while the Pelicans are three and five on the road. So I'll look at the records and say I'll take the Kings to beat the Pelicans, especially at home. Now on to Tuesday's set of games on the fifth. You've got the Knicks against the Bucks to start us off at 7:30. Who do you got, Cage? Do you like the Knickerbockers upset the Bucks, or do you think the Bucs at home are able to move on to the semifinals?
0: I don't know which Bucs team is going to show up, to be honest. Is it the Bucs team that will go gangbusters on you, whether it's like when Lillard and Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, Brook Lopez, all those guys are at their best? or Are are we going to see the Bucs team that just lost to a Bulls team without Zach Levine and DeMar,
2: DeMar DeRozan? That being said, this game is in Milwaukee. So, talent-wise, I'm going to go talent-wise and go with Milwaukee.
0: But I'm not as high on them as I would have been earlier.
1: Milwaukee are 8-1 and one while at home. And it's going to be really dumb to pick against some kids. But with saying that, I like upsets. And the Bucks are booty. So I'm going to take the Knickerbockers, who do have a winning record away from home. I'm going to take R.J. Barrett and the New York Knicks to upset the Milwaukee Bucks, and both teams that are on the road in the eastern side of this bracket, ironically, even though I know it's not really like an East versus West thing. Actually, no, that's why it definitely is an East versus West thing, because of the way they made the pools up. So I think the mm-hmm. Eastern Conference Final of the in-season tournament will be the Celtics' And the Knicks, I think that's a rematch, isn't it? No, it wouldn't. Well, no. it would had been a rematch. What,
0: of the so 2013 we, <clears throat> the 2013 first round?
1: No, I'm thinking of last year. Who did, who did the Celtics play in the second
0: round last year? The Sixers.
1: Oh, uh, so wait, does that, mean, does that mean the Heat played the Knicks last year? Because the Knicks won the first round. They beat the Cavs.
0: Yeah, the Knicks
1: played play oh. the Heat. See, I thought the Knicks played the Celtics. I couldn't remember who the Celtics played because I know they won, regardless. But anyway. Well, if
0: the well, if the Knicks played the Celtics, we all know the Knicks would have moved on.
1: Exactly. So the the we I got the Knicks. You've got the Bucks in the other Eastern <laughs> final, and then in the other Western final is the Phoenix Suns versus the L. A. Lakers. ESPN and Fox's wet dream, the Suns versus the Lakers cage. Who do you've got in that game between the seventh and sixth seeds right now in
2: the West? Dude, this is going to depend on De- Devin Booker's health. If he's healthy, I think I got the Suns. Because Booker, Durant, they go come out and show out. Because um, uh,
0: cause I know the Lakers are 2-0 and against them. But Devin Booker didn't play in
2: either one of those games. Um... I think the Lakers are kind of inconsistent in the sense against
0: good teams because we saw how they got walloped against the Sixers and then I get it second night of a back to back against the Thunder but like the first set of first night of that back to back was against the Pistons so like you had plenty of time to rest that being said they got th- they got their butts handed to them by the Thunder um, I think this depends on if Booker plays. If Booker plays, I got the Suns. If Booker doesn't play, I got the Lakers.
1: I I think regardless of Booker playing or not, obviously Booker playing will definitely give the Suns a way better chance of winning. But I'm gonna take the Suns to win regardless because the Lakers. Okay. Lakers are really good at home, but the Suns are really good away, and I just can't pick the Lakers because they have D'Angelo Russell on the team, and D'Angelo Russell sucks. So I gotta pick the Suns. <laughs> I gotta pick Phoenix because I think they're I think Kevin Durant's gonna drop fifty or something ridiculous, trying to win, you know, this imaginary in season tournament that no one really cares about in the end. And after just passing Moses Malone for tenth all time in points of any player ever. All time. I mean, you gotta go with Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns to move on. And and with all my picks, Cage, I picked one home team to win. I picked one home team out of the out of the four games. So I'm not saying I'm making a parlay, but if I was, there would need some money on the table for me.
0: I mean, the I, I think the Celtics would be favored. You'd think. I think the Celtics would be favored, so... The next one's definitely bold, but honestly, I'd be a fan of it if the Knicks do beat the Bucks. I just don't think in Milwaukee it's going to happen.
1: I just don't trust Milwaukee, man. They've been so inconsistent. Uh, I know. You really don't know what team you're going to get. And I just don't know <laughs> if Milwaukee's going to be up for the play-in tournament or the in-season tournament. Or if they're going to be like, yeah, who really cares? And then lose, right? So I just, I don't really know what Bucks team is going to show up. I trust the Knicks more.
2: Like, no, who, team, they, even with Tom Thibodeau? A
0: James Dolan-led team, team can be trusted.
1: I mean, I mean, James Dolan basically has no involvement in the team anymore because of all the scandals he's put himself into. That absolute moron of an owner is what I'm going to say without <laughs> trying to cuss and make Kate do some more work. Anyway, we'll now move uh, on yeah. to not not we'll move off of the in season tournament going to take over the schedule upcoming here in the next couple of weeks before Christmas. We're going to talk about the worst team in basketball, and no, that's not the San Antonio Spurs, who's 14 game losing streak, and yeah. I didn't stutter, 14-game losing streak for the San Antonio Spurs has been completely left out and forgotten because the Detroit Pistons have had a 16-game losing streak and have taken all of the headlines for being garbage, being hot garbage. Monty Williams has not been able to turn this team around at all, it feels like. And all of a sudden, the Detroit Pistons are basically where they were last year, a bad team that's going to be in the lottery again. They got Oscar Thompson last year. They had Cade Cunningham first overall not too long ago. They've had C- uh, Killian Hayes top 10 pick. Jade Ivey was a top 5 pick. A lot of top t- uh, tier picks. They right now even have Marvin Bagley was a 4th overall pick a while ago. It wasn't obviously their draft pick. They got James Wiseman who was 2nd overall. Also our not- 3rd overall I believe not their draft pick either. A lot of top-tier talent drafted-wise by the Pistons, but this I'm not being able to find the right mix of guys to make a winning basketball club cage. Do you think it's time to restart the rebuild and get rid of some of these really good young guys that just aren't clicking? Or do you think it's just waiting it out and seeing seeing if you can get these guys to start clicking together?
2: Well,
0: I think the biggest thing that's kind of been like... Left out in all of this is that the Pistons have had not have not had much shooting on the in their lineup. We haven't seen Monty Morris play this season. Boyan Bogdanovich could make his debut tonight today. So, in order to compete in this league, you need some semblance of shooting, and quite frankly, Detroit hasn't really had that throughout. So, in that sense, Monty Williams has his hands tied. In that sense, doesn't help that this roster made up by GM Troy Weaver has not exactly been the seamless fit. It hasn't exactly been seamless with a whole bunch of bigs like Jim Durant, who I love, Isaiah Stewart, who is a dog. But then there's Marvin Magley at third, James Wiseman. Like, What use is there for them down the stretch? You got Killian Hayes, Jaden Ivey, Marcus Sasser, and then Kate Cunningham, obviously your best player.
2: Um, Then there's Oscar Thompson. And there's Oscar Thompson. And then Alec Burks, I believe, is
0: one of the veterans, and Boyan Bogdanovich. I don't think Joel Harris is even. Correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think Joe Harris may have played like one or two games, but it's barely played.
2: So they missed some shooting. With that being said, I don't think anybody was expecting this Detroit team to realistically be
0: a playing contender and make the playoffs. You got to focus on development, and the one thing that's kind of rubbing my for me, it's kind of rubbing Monty Williams, Williams the wrong way. It's how he's used his rookies, how he's used his young guys. Because there's, <clears throat> developmentally wise, there's no way Killian
2: Hayes should be starting over Jaden Ivey. His minutes have, Ivey's minutes have fluctuated throughout. And it's not like he's been inefficient, he's been a lot more efficient this season than last. And then Oscar Thompson, we've talked about, we've raved about, like,
0: how good defensively he is and how he's a great rebounder. I know Monty Williams tried to shake things up.
2: I know how Monty, I know Monty Williams tried to shake things up by, like, by adding more shooting to the, by adding more shooting to um. The starting lineup, but realistically, you can't be st- you can't be like mitigating or
0: making your two mo two youngest guys on the team in Jaden Ivey and Oscar Thompson play less minutes. Developmentally, that's not a good thing. And it's going to be interesting to see how this is going to fare out with some of the veterans coming in. Who's going to be shipped off or who's not? Either way, it's just like it, it this is gonna take time, but at the same time, changes need to happen. Like some some guys do need to go.
2: And I think as as much as as much as I respect Isaiah
0: Stewart for trying to add a three point shot, realistically, defenses don't respect him enough to get out the paint. With Jalen Duran with Jalen Duran in the paint. And you're not gonna bring Jalen Duran off the bench. I think with Bogdanovich coming back, you can kind of play him as a four and maybe move back Oscar
2: Thompson to the three and then have And
0: then well, hopefully have Ivy start at the two, or like Cunningham start at the two, or like intertwine Ivy and Cunningham, and maybe those spacing issues solve with Bogdanovich in the lineup because Bogdanovich can stretch the floor out. So that's a short-term solution, but long-term wise, there's going to be a lot more growing pains with Detroit, and it's and it's on the dock here, like the Detroit Lions. Who've who been known for their own losing ways not too long ago, they've got more wins in 2023 than the Pistons alone. That's messed up.
1: And we're and going the last month of the year in, in December. We are in December as we as we talk. So, like with that being said, the the Detroit Lions could have, could win more games in 2023, like in the 2023 season. than than Detroit does. And I might even date back to last year. Because last year, how many games they win? What, 22?
2: Give or take, yeah. Something like that. So, at the end of the day, this
1: Lions team is really good, When I add. I'm looking at Detroit Pistons this season. In the NFL year, because Detroit's really bad. And we'll see if they can get better. But they have a lot of young guys. who you think they will get better, but will they?
0: Like, there's gotta be a peck- st- there's, gotta, st- there's gotta there's gotta, st- gotta be there's gotta be stability and a pecking order in place. Right now there isn't, and I think and I don't know if Monty Williams is just trying to figure this out, or is there like a or there's like a power dynamic struggle. But yeah, that's gotta be figured has out. A little more.
2: Yeah. But that's gotta be figured out quickly. Because sure, Hayes has been playing better the past two seasons compared to when he started.
0: But there's no way you phase Jaden Ivey out, who had a great rookie who had a great rookie season, albeit inefficient shooting. But with that roster from Detroit
2: last year, who wouldn't shoot inefficiently? You got to prioritize your young guys. You got to prioritize your young guys and have the veterans help them out. Right now, neither is happening.
1: The reason why I was mentioning Dwayne Casey is that I know he was the former head coach for the Detroit Pistons. And now he is, I believe, some sort of executive now. I don't know where they put Mr. Casey. But I know for a fact that there's something going on in Detroit that doesn't meet necessarily the eye that we don't know about. Because there's no way this team should be this bad. Yeah, I agree with you, Cajun. No one really thought this team was going to be great. But there's no way anyone thought that this team was going to be worse somehow than last year. And they've managed yeah. to be worse than last year by like a wide margin. And you're not be going backwards when you're a really young
0: and there's no and there's no special guy in that in, in this upcoming draft like there was with Wemby.
2: so I look forward to either. Or ironically, like
1: Kate Cunningham coming out of Oklahoma State. Who then people did this thing with generation but people thought he was really good, and people thought he was gonna be a, a really talented player. But I don't know what, what's going on in Detroit at the, in the, at the end of the day. And I guess we'll have to see if Detroit can turn it around as Monty Williams gets himself kind of situated with the young guys he's got and who he thinks will fit and who he doesn't think will fit. And then if moves will be made to get rid of some of the, I'll say deadwood, but get rid of some of the young guys that they just can't use. Because, like, Toronto, the Toronto Raptors should be banging on Detroit's door right now for about half of their team. Like, hey, how many of these young guys are you willing to give up? Because we could use some young guys. And they got a lot of them mm-hmm. in Detroit, a lot of good ones in Detroit. So every team that's got well, a team would, that's kinda of in that middle,
0: have those, if those, you those middling some, teams. What? If Toronto so could somehow get Jaden Ivy and Austr Thompson from them, I know it's a tall task, but the way they're being played in Detroit right now, if Toronto can get both of them for pennies on the cheap, like holy will Toronto's ceiling ever go higher.
1: I don't think Oscar Tom. I think Oscar Thompson and Cade Cunningham are probably the t- only two untouchables right now in Detroit. I think Ivy's a great shout cage because like, I think Jade Ivy. I'm not saying I'm not saying playing his way out of Detroit, but I think we're gonna get to a point where it's gonna be pick either Killian Hayes or Jade Ivy. You're not gonna be able to have both to be able to continue their development because you also have Marcus Sasser as well, most mm. recent draft pick out of Houston. Right. And, and then you've also got right. looking on the lineup cage, you got Isaiah Livers, who's only played five games, but in those five games, Cage averaged just twenty four minutes tonight. And I like Isaiah Livers out of out of Michigan. He's dealt with injuries throughout his career in college now and in the pros. You got James Wiseman who's ceiling I'm not sure where it is right now, but was a top three pick at one point. Was seen as a guy who could change a game at the center position. Like a lot of really good young guys in Detroit that I think if you made the right trade package, you could get a couple of the young guys. And not necessarily spearhead your middling team into the playoffs, but definitely at least improve your bottom line and have a bigger ceiling.
2: Yeah.
1: Now, moving on to something, Cage, that we've talked about a lot on this show, about the negativity in sports media. Jason Kidd of the Dallas Mavericks Obviously, their head coach, former player for the Mavericks as well, when they won the championship back in 2011, he decided to go on the warpath and gave it to a longtime reporter of the team, even when he was playing, and Tim McMahon. And McMahon's question, from what I read on the article I, I did read before this, is basically McMahon asked about what the team improved to be better in clutch time as they were bad last year and are now really good this year. And Jason Kidd went on basically a rant. Constant at him saying, you know, why don't you write something positive? You know, why is it always gonna be negative? Write something positive. We're a really good team. You know, you guys, got, and they even said you guys gotta gotta go to bat for Luka Doncic. Why is Luka Doncic not the conversation of being the MVP? You guys gotta, you know, be positive about this team and positive about our good guys. Or, you know, the 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 mainstream media are not gonna give us the credit we deserve. And Cage, I'm not gonna say on the question he's right because I, I think. Tim McMahon's got a right to ask about what's changed to make them a good team in a certain situation they were bad at last year. But I do think Jason can't write it as a whole. That yeah, he is. The reality is the mainstream media and media in general is always negative. Like, when you turn on the news, it's always negative. And I know negativity sells, and I know... But when people complain about it always being negative, don't you think that's the problem? Is we complain about being negative and then continue to to, to, to digest it as a negativity? Like, I'll be honest, Cage, I don't watch First Take anymore. I don't watch Colin Coward's clips on YouTube anymore. I only watch them when he had Joel, Joel Klatt on because I love Joel Clatt and Joel Clatt only talks about college football. Literally, that's it. It's all Klatt talks about. That's the, He's a color commentator for Fox on uh, college broadcast. which, again, I think it's the, the best tandem in football. In any any commentary booth is, is Joel Klatt color and uh, Gus Edwards – or Gus Johnson, pardon me. Gus Johnson is the, the, uh, the play-by-play, but regardless –
2: Mm-hmm.
1: like he's right you know and I wish I'll say I wish more coaches would do that but I wish more people would do that and say why is the mainstream media so negative why is you know why is it every day I turn on first take and talk about why is this team soccer why does this team need to improve or you know let's rip on this guy for doing this thing you know why is it that way why isn't it yeah how you have some of that like when John Moran's flashing guns on you know, on, on Instagram Live or when Josh Kitty's getting investigated by the police for having a relationship with a minor. Yeah, obviously if you have to talk about that stuff. Not even if you want to, but you have to talk about that stuff. But why can't you talk about the heartwarming things? You know, like in the NFL, we always have the Walter Payton Award for the the Humanitarian of the Year, and if they talk about, you know, all these guys doing all these things in the community, why can we talk about some of that stuff? You know, why, yeah. why can't we talk about the stuff that, you know, is positive in the end? Age. So, are you with Jason Kidd on this one?
2: I am. I <laughs>
0: absolutely am. Um, and the question from Tim McMahon—McMahon McMahon wasn't bad. There's was a question. It's. It, it was like maybe an innocent question, but there's something behind the scenes that I'm. That's that's kind of sensing like there's like resentment with that reporter as a whole. Um and it's and it's negativity as a whole and it's negativity as a whole that like the media just loves to run with and try to promote and try to promote just in general. And there's two big problems that I have with mainstream media to get this out of the way.
2: Negativity and their selective coverage. Um, It's maddening because, like, they love
0: to harp on the negative stories of athletes. Um, they love to harp on the negative stories
2: of athletes, um, and just run with it and just keep, and just like, what's the word? They,
0: they treat athletes like they're robots, but athletes got emotions, man. Athletes, coaches, coaches they all got
2: emotions and um it's a pro- like it's a long standing problem that reporters just love to bow, like
0: harp on the juiciest stories without tr- like journalism has like gone downhill in a nutshell because people are trying to look for like the juiciest stories, whether it's whether, whether not even thinking about the emotional side of things, whether it's negative or not. For the most part, it is negative, but gone are the days where you just try to find a human interest
2: story that just like warms your heart, like the Walter Payton Award. Um, now, this isn't about
0: athletes and coaches, but what Ernie Johnson has done to the community, too,
2: what Shaq has provided. Like, go, like we don't see those stories anymore. We're stories like that anymore. And I think the athletes and players, like,
0: they see all the negativity and they're tired of it. And I'm glad people, are, and I'm glad guys like Jason Kidd are standing up to it. And changing and and trying to change the narrative behind it. As for the selective. As for selective coverage. Talked about this. With Malika Andrews. How they covered. How they cover.
2: I hate to turn this into a race thing. But how they cover black and white athletes. Because. We talked about, we talked about how she brought about
0: Brandon Miller's past, Brandon Miller's history,
2: unprovoked, then mentioned Adrian Payne's past while saying in the same sentence that he got killed, had no hesitation speaking about him Yadoka. But there's cricket. But there's crickets um, when it comes to Josh Giddy.
0: and the police and the police are involved in this now. Like at least the new Newport Police, Newport Beach Police are being are, are being involved in this now. And not, nothing about it now. Stephen A. Smith like kind of went off on fans for saying like we have to wait for an investigation. I'm like yeah, well be consistent all around then, because y'all. Don't hesitate to do it when it's black athletes, but when it's white athletes, like all of a sudden we got to, we got to wait for due process. And this, this sort of racial bias, like goes way back too. I don't think this is just a Malika Andrews problem. I think this is just a mainstream media problem. I think this is a, this is the, this is an ESPN problem because Spence, I'm not sure if. Did you kind of hear, like, the stories about what was going on about, like, Sean Taylor?
1: Okay, I'll go with no, but I do know a lot of what's happened to Sean Taylor's memory since he's passed away. Mostly done by the Washington Commanders organization. So, what situation are you talking about?
0: When he died. When 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 he died... And it was part of, like, an armed... like It was, like, a burglar entering, and he got shot in the leg.
1: Oh, yes. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. I think I know what's going on with this.
0: But the coverage that came out about him, based off of his criminal past, like, I think Michael Wilbon Wilbon, kind of said it along the lines that he had it coming. Like... When you want
1: to be a gangster, you're going to be treated like a gangster was basically what he said. And no, I'm not like for like quoting Mr. Boban, but I know that was a message that was put out. When you want to live that life, you know, you're going to get those type of results. And again, Cage, I cannot stress enough as a guy who A, loved Lawrence Taylor, the player that he was. It was a home invasion at his house in Florida that already had been invaded once. That he was at at home because it was broken into while they weren't home. And he was scared for his wife and baby daughter's life He's was very much a family man like cage the story is and i don't know if you know the story because this one's a very funny one on his football life all football life lawrence taylor or sean taylor pardon me that i've watched at least twice that i love every second of when he was drafted in the first round by the washington redskins at the time
2: mm-hmm.
1: he went to rookie camp he looked around the first day and went what the hell is this and one of the guys, this is rookie camp, so where well, they take all, all those rookies and they make us like train for two weeks to then get ready for real training camp. And he went, nah, screw that noise. I'm going home and left. He went home. He said, I'm not spending two weeks here with you knuckleheads being a rookie when I can go be at home with my family. And he went home. And then like that afternoon, the team had a meeting saying you cannot just leave to the other rookies. But that's who he was. He was very much a family-oriented guy. And no one knows that about Sean Taylor because that's not what people told you what Sean Taylor was. That just isn't what happens. Right? And again, I, I love Sean Taylor. I know all the stories about Sean Taylor, about how much he loved his family, all the things that he did for his family. Like, in, in that house that he was, I guess, eventually murdered in, but that he was shot in on the form home invasion. Yeah, I'm pretty sure his mom and sister lived, like, in the same neighborhood. He moved everyone into the same neighborhood in Florida, where he's from, because he went to the University of Miami, the U. Mm-hmm. And, again, not to tail off well, football, but football is my, my favorite sport, the one I know the most about, I would say. Like, exactly, you're exactly right, Cage. And another big one you, you did mention about Ima Yudoka is is Malika Andrews' coverage on Ima on Yudoka. Not only did she talk about Ime Yudoka disparagingly on her show, she then called into first take and berated uh, Stephen A.
2: Yeah.
1: And, like, I can't believe that. And I'll, I'm going to read this, Cage, because I'm I, I really want you to hear this. So in yeah. this article that I'm reading, when it happened, on first take on Thursday – Stephen A. took issue with the way the Celtics handled Udoka's – handled Udoka's, saying either Udoka uh, – I'm not sure how this was written so poorly, Cage, but saying either – Udoka either should be – should have been fired or not missed any games. Now, honest to God, Cage, that's written the way it's written. That's on the NBA page. You can find this one. That's the way it's written. It's not just I can't read. It's actually written poorly. And then here's Mm -hmm. the quote. I'm appalled by this decision. If you're gonna, if you're not gonna fire him, you shouldn't be suspended. You're not. You can dock his. You can dock him pay. You can fine him. You can keep this. You can keep the stuff in house. I'm appalled that this is public or publicized. I know of plenty of situations spanning the entire world of professional sports where folks are messing around with other, with each other. You don't see this become a story. This was leaked by the Boston Celtics organization. And then he continued, and he said. I don't see nothing being put out and dis. Oh, my goodness. Okay. In some, in some I believe someone from the Celtics organization leaked the Udoka story, adding, I don't see nothing being put out. And I, he used a big word here, Cajun. I'm going to go with disseminized to the masses with these white dudes doing that's doing this stuff. Okay, that that was the end of the the quote of him. And he continue later in the quote. And then Malik Andrews called in on first take, was a guest on the show. And she said, Stephen A., with all due respect, this is not about pointing the finger. Stop. What, What became apparent to me in this press conference is that we do not have all the information here. And... And it was frustrating to me that the Celtics declined to elaborate or give more specifics about what exactly the rule breaking was, was that led us to this when I'm developed by was acknowledging the rampant Twitter bull blank that women were unfairly dragged in into this within the Celtic organization and that I found that to be a gross and unnecessary dot dot dot. But the Celtics as an organization could have done more. But the fact that it was un, that, that it was able to go on all day, we are not here, Stephen A, to further blame women. That is not why we are here. And Stephen A responded to that about you know, do not accuse me of doing that. That's ridiculous.
2: That's not what Stephen A did.
1: Yeah. And, and he said, and then he continued again. He bristled to what she said, it's like, "I am not blaming anyone anybody but Emma Udoka. Right, and again, I know it's really long-winded, and so that was hard to read, I, or hard to hear, I understand. I was trying to read it, and some of it's poorly written, and I also am not a reader, but it's poorly written. My brain also starts spazzing, because it's trying to read it while knowing that's wrong, but knowing it's okay, so am I just misreading it? It's, it's a fun conundrum, but regardless, mm-hmm. you know, this is something we've dealt with in the in the mainstream media. something we've...
2: I guess... I guess why I brought up the Sean Taylor incident is people, uh, the media covers
0: black athletes different from white athletes and you can't tell me otherwise because Sean Taylor was a prime example of that. And talk about Brett Favre Cage you know, you you
1: talk about Brett Favre and the scandal in Mississippi with, you know, taking the money from the poor people and the the welfare and whatever, you know. Again, another really negative story that has to be covered, but again, you know, with him threatening lawsuits on Pat McAfee and Shannon Sharp and all that stuff, like, you know, stories like that get really negative. And as you mentioned there, Cage, also, with his playing career, with the pictures being sent to co-workers when he was at the New York Jets, and those obviously were not pictures of his dog. There are pictures of mm. his um, his uh, w- from below the waist, from his waist down coverage. If you use Manscaped and or Gillette or whatever, yeah. So you know, it it definitely is also critical, but it, but it it continues to just push on the narrative that we treat athletes different depending on a wide range of things, race being one of them, and usually being at the forefront of things. We usually treat athletes differently with,
0: like I like. Let me, let me make this abundantly clear. I hate bringing race into situations like this. I hate bringing race up. But it's right in front of us. But you can't deny to me that, at least in the NBA, with the whole thing about...
2: I gotta say, like, with Ime Yadoka, Brandon Miller, Adrian Payne, heck, even Kevin Porter Jr. When it came out, when it came out that that the girlfriend didn't even file a police report, it was the assistant DA. And then, and then, and then there's crickets on Josh Giddy. Sean Taylor gets accused of being a thug
0: when he died, and like the circumstances of his death, where like he had it coming,
2: when in reality it was a home invasion. And that he was, and that he's always been a family man. But crickets when it comes to Brett Favre, Ime Udoka. his infidelities get put gets put on blast.
0: Meanwhile, as Stephen A. said, we've seen this happen with white coaches,
2: but they're handled behind the scenes. So why is it that when a black man does it, it's out there, it, it, it's, it, it, it's dirty laundry being aired out for
0: the public to see? That just does not make sense to me. That just doesn't make sense to me. Like, if you're going to cover negativity in terms of, like, scandals and whatnot, I know we're talking about negativity, but cover them
2: e- equally. Cover them equally. And that's the last I'm going to say about the...
0: Go ahead. And that's the last I'm going to say about the negativity thing. In terms of what Jason Kidd said, we got to see more positive stories. Go, like, jumping back into that. We got to see more positive stories. We got to see more human interest stories, some heartwarming stories about athletes giving back to the community, like, about their mindset behind... What goes into their craft. What they went through to get to that point. Like human interest stories.
2: Because that's been lost in the shuffle. And I know like. Negativity sells. But negativity is only going to sell. If you continue churning out negativity stories. Heck just sprinkle on some positivity there because, like, what are we doing?
1: I can't echo enough how much I, A, I love Sean Taylor and B, how much he was misportrayed by the media, mainstream and otherwise, because of his lack of media presence. He did not like the media. He did not like talking to the media.
0: For good reason. So,
1: and, and Cage, you know where that stems from? I can tell you exactly where that stems from, where his dislike of the media comes from. When Sean Taylor was a rookie during, mini, during uh, training camp, he was walking into the locker room during an interview of another player, and they got him with a shaving cream pie. And the media started laughing at him. Like all the media guys there that were interviewing the, the other player started laughing, right, because it was funny. But it wasn't mm-hmm. funny to Sean Taylor because it burnt his eyes. The yeah, shaving cream literally burnt, like, his eyes which is, again, is is something that can happen. Not often, but it does happen. So I upset Sean, and Sean said, who are you guys to be laughing at me? Who do you think you are? So Sean, from basically that point forward, from the beginning of his NFL career, kept the media at arm's length. didn't want any part of the media. And that led to people misportraying him or portraying him in a negative way. That he was a thug, that he was a gangster, that he, you know that he was, you know, a guy that should not be trusted when he was a family man, when he did do all of these things for his family that you had no idea about until well after he passed away in the home invasion that you mentioned. But moving on now from a more negative story to, I'll say, a positive one in, in fairness. Mark Cuban has sold the majority stake of the Dallas Mavericks. He is now the minority owner of the team, he will be retaining his basketball operations position. So it feels like nothing's really going to change in Dallas. But now the newest owner, the newest majority owner owner of the Dallas Mavericks is Miriam Adelson. Adelson is one of the richest women in the world. And I believe Cage is one of two women to own a major sports team right on North America, being Jeannie Buss of the Buss family in, in LA. And now Miriam Adelson. I can't really think of another woman that owns a major, you know, a, a a major sport, a sporting, I'll say team, but a major franchise in any of the major sports.
0: Well, you always love to see, you always love to see a woman at the fore at the forefront taking what's there, a t- a taking what's theirs because let's be real. Executive wise, owners wise, women's that women have always had this talent, but they've been shunned. So good on Miriam Adelson um, for being at the forefront of now of now a majority stake of the Mavericks.
2: But damn, like, like think about how the Mavs were worth in the early two thousand, like actually in two thousand, in two thousand he first purchased Dallas for about 285 million obviously with the presence of Dirk Nowitzki there the value
0: of that franchise was going to go up but he went from 285 million to selling to selling his majority stake for three point five billion billion, and you get full basketball of full control,
2: full basketball, full control of basketball operations for the team. Damn, man.
1: Mark Cuban's also leaving his show. I'll say his show, but the reality show Shark Tank. So Mark Cuban's pulling a lot of oars out of the water right now, and it was. <laughs> floated out there and he's going to make a presidential run. He said, no, that's not going to happen. He's not running for the presidency in the United States. And I believe him. But he's really pulling a lot of oars out of the water. So maybe he's just trying to focus on family more. I'm not I'm not really sure what Mark Cuban's doing, but Mark Cuban's kind of, you know, taking his lovely time to pull out of some ventures he's been in for quite a long time. Hmm. But now moving on to our last topic of the show. We haven't talked much about college yet today, but now we will, with the LSU Tigers beating Virginia Tech Hokies. Again, a matchup of a rematch of last year's Final Four matchup. And LSU come out on top again, this time by a scoreline of 82-64 in a game that had the return of Angel Reese. We've been waiting four games now. It feels like forever, Cage, when Angel Reese will re- return. She did. She had 19 points and 9 rebounds in her return.
2: Didn't but Cage, look like that's not the beast. story.
1: I don't think like that's the story. I think the story of the LSU Tigers is, I'm going to say it's a freshman, but I'm quickly going to check that to fact-check myself. But regardless, Cage, it's Anisha Morrow. Morrow mm. has been an unsung hero for LSU since Angel Reese's exit. She had, what, 17 points, 28 points, 37 points against Virginia and then 19 against Virginia Tech. In a game in between against the against the Cavaliers and the Hokies, against both Virginia teams, Cage, Morrow played all of but one minute. She played all 40 against Virginia. She played 39 out of 40 minutes against Virginia Tech. So, so Anisha Morrow has been a very pivotal player for Kim Mulkey's side. And she's also had double digit rebounds in four of her last five games. So Morrow has shown herself to be a very pivotal player for LSU, even though she's not Angel Reese, even though she's not Haley Van Lip, even though she's not, I'm trying to think of the last player, Johnson. I can't pronounce mm. her first name, Kitch. I'll let you do that. But. Flo Jay? You know, yes. Flo, Flo- J. Johnson. Flo- Jay Johnson. You're very much right. So again, and I will mention now Moro is a transfer out of out of DePaul. So she went from Chicago school where she's from Chicago. And she's now playing her first year at LSU as a junior in college. But still, she has been the Unsung hero for this LSU team. And LSU now with Angel Reese, with Moro clicking, with Haley Van Lith or you know maybe this
0: maybe this uh, uh this might not be such a hot take, but more's been their best player.
1: Oh, easily, easily been their best player, especially since Angel Reese's been out.
0: And you mentioned names, Flo J Johnson, Angel Reese, Haley Van Lyft transferred out of Louisville.
2: But it's been Anissa Morrow that Anissa More that's outshone all, all of them. And
0: first game that they played that lsu played when they got upset by
2: now 20th ranked colorado she only played 18 minutes and that's six points
0: now granted foul trouble did play a role she had four fouls that game but ever since then 16 and uh, 16 14. then her minutes started increasing 17 uh, she played 31 minutes And I I kid you not, and I think this was the game against Kent State, 17 points, 8 rebounds. You talk about her work on the glass. How about her work defensively, too?
2: 8 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 blocks, and 9 steals. She's had she's had two games in which
0: she hasn't recorded a steal, and in every other game she's recorded at least two steals. So not only she's she's she doing it on
2: the offensive side of the floor, but she's doing it she's doing it on both ends of the floor, and especially. against Virginia, she pretty much scored half of LSU's points. So I know we talk about UConn, talk about UCLA, South Carolina, Stanford, Iowa, with Caitlin Clark. But
0: with all of the headlines for that LSU has endured for all the wrong reasons. This LSU, this Tigers team is starting to get into form, and that's, a, and and I gotta tell you, Smith, they look scary. They look scary good. That they
1: do. Since that first game loss, they've been undefeated since, including this big win over Virginia Tech, also being Kim Malky's 700th win as a head coach. So I think Angel
0: Reese also had an accomplishment there, too.
1: Well, I'm quickly going to check to make sure that you're right. Doesn't really look like it now
2: that I or see she it. Was...
1: Or. But, re- but regardless, Cage, A, it a was a big game for her to come back to because, you know, A, we've been waiting for Angel Reese's return and now she is finally back for the LSU Tigers. And now that team may have just finally found their uh, their stroke, if you will. As another team, interesting game. Florida State, ranked 15th in the nation on the women's pool, got upset by Arkansas, 71-58, and Sailor Poffenberger had 13 points, Cage, and she is a guard. She's a six-foot-two guard, but she's a guard. Do you want to know how many rebounds Sailor
2: Poffenberger had? 15. Thir- 23. She
1: had 13 points and 23 rebounds in the win for Arkansas. She had 20 rebounds in the opening night for the Razorbacks. She's had double-digit rebounds in including those two 20s in three other games, so five games with 10 or more rebounds. Wait, they
0: beat – I swear they lost against Arkansas.
1: No, she plays for Arkansas. Taylor Potter is the Arkansas star, former UConn Husky
0: trainer. Oh, damn.
1: Yeah, she had 13 points and 23 rebounds in 38 minutes of play. She's had double digit rebounds in 5 games as a as a guard. She's had over 20 rebounds twice, opening night and now against FSU. And they've only lost one game as Arkansas this year at 7 and 1. They lost to Marquette who are undefeated currently. So you got to wonder if Arkansas might get ranked, if Marquette might move into the new AP polls when they're released. But one other team that might fall out to make room for Arkansas and Marquette is North Carolina who are now 5 and 3 and lost to the number 1 team in the nation in South Carolina. But it was close at Chapel Hill. 65-58 win for the Gamecocks over the Tar Heels, but definitely a little bit closer than North Carolina
2: Carolina would have wanted, especially at home. Mm. And then a couple other games that happened
1: yesterday. I will quickly check. No big games today. Sadly, but some big games going on tomorrow. Tennessee takes on Ohio State. Both teams are ranked. UConn plays Texas 11 versus 10. That will be a big game between those two sides. And it looks like it's going to be in, yeah, it is, in Austin. So Texas will host the UConn Huskies, while Tennessee will host uh, Ohio State in Knoxville. While looking over at the men's side, just quickly scanning through to see if there's any big games that we didn't talk about. Well, North Carolina beat Tennessee ranked on rank at Chapel Hill. Again, showing how good those Tar Heels can be when they play up to their competition. And something big that happened last night, Cage the number one team in the nation went down. Purdue. Purdue lost in overtime to Northwestern. And now all of a sudden, Purdue are going to fall. You got to assume Northwestern's going to get ranked. And I got to mention here, Cage, and I knew him from previously knowing of. The Northwestern team. Boo Booey had 31 points, nine assists in the win over Zach Eady and the Boilermakers. Eady did his part, though, had 35 points, 14 rebounds, and three blocks in the loss. But still, Northwestern, as I mentioned, with all the good teams in the Big Ten, they upset Purdue to start off Big Ten play.
0: Talk about
2: a statement. Talk about making a statement.
1: Also, another big ranked-on-rate game, the number four UConn Huskies get their first loss of the year, losing to Kansas, 69-65, in a national championship battle. UConn last year's national champs, Kansas the year before's national champs. So the two reigning national champs, the most two recent championships play off in a four-versus-five matchup, and Kansas come up with the win, although it was at the Allen Fieldhouse, was at the Fog Allen Fieldhouse in Kansas. So it was an away game for the Huskies, and they only lost by four. But still, that means they will fall in the most recent AP poll when it is done. i just quickly looking to see if there's any big games before Monday. There is not on the men's side. So we'll see if any other big, big uh, it, upsets it, happen.
0: Well... If we if there's any indication of what happened yesterday between Purdue and Northwestern, all these games got to be like some of these games have to be on like high alert.
1: Well, Cage, I think we're gonna end with this. I already know Scrabble board today, so technically I've missed two weeks of Scrabble board. So I promise there will be there'll be one on Monday. Well, I will get back into the rhythm as we will with this show. But there is one game, Cage. I think has got a big circle on it, and it's the Gonzaga Bulldogs away. I knew you were going to say this. Going away to or actually technically away where they're playing in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand. USC versus Gonzaga. USC currently unranked. Gonzaga number 11 in the nation. And the reason why this game is so, going to be so interesting.
0: Is this because of Ronnie James?
1: James, Ronnie James is cleared to play. And well, USC's A, a a really good team. USC is a good basketball team. I don't know if they're going to be a ranked team at the end of the year, depending on how their Pac-12 games go, but USC is a good team, and Gonzaga is a great team. As we all know, I love Coach Mark Few, but Bronny James has been cleared to play, cleared to practice, cleared to play for USC. LeBron James has come out openly and said that if Bronny James' opening game, his first game at USC is on, the day, on a day where the Lakers play, he's missing a Lakers game. He's going to go to USC and watch his son play his first college basketball game. And ironically, the first one is tonight. The first game that they they collide is tonight. The Lakers play tonight, I believe, as I quickly look. Because I remember reading Whoa. it in the article. Bronny's not, and it Bronny's does, not including, pl- tonight. including
0: Bronny's tonight. Bronny's not playing this game, though.
1: But, it, it, but implying he was, because he is, again, active to play. Mm-hmm. I, as you mentioned, I don't think he's playing tonight against Gonzaga. They It does include tonight. Yeah. That the Lakers played tonight. LSU, at, at USC plays tonight. And that, you know, and here are the other games. So coming up at the end of the month and the beginning of January for USC games that collide with Laker games. USC plays Oregon at the 28th. The Lakers play the Charlotte Hornets. On the 30th, they play Oregon State does USC. The Lakers play Minnesota Timberwolves. And then Cal, the University of California, plays USC. The Lakers play Miami. Then they play Colorado, do USC. And then Utah, and that's on January 13th. They play the Arizona Wildcats, top-ranked Arizona, on the 17th of January. Dallas Mavericks played the Los Angeles Lakers. And then Golden State, the the Golden State Warriors play the Lakers when the UCLA Bruins play USC at the end of January, January 27th. So I got to wonder, A, how many games LeBron will skip if Bronny's playing. I assume it only will be one if when Bronny's first USC game does happen to happen when a Laker game is on. But I wonder if he'll skip other games to see Bronny play. I do wonder if he'll not play, if he'll sit out, take his take his um, rest day and go see his son play at USC or if they're away.
0: I don't know why people have... I don't know why people have an issue with this.
2: I really don't see why people have an issue with this. Because, like... He is being a father first. Like, people are so... I've seen social media, like, because...
0: I've seen social media on, like... Like, the article surrounding this.
2: But, like, yo, like... This man's being a father, especially after after Bronny suffered a cardiac arrest during the summer. Like, and see, talk about LeBron's accomplishments as a
0: player as you want, but damned if he will, damned if he don't. If he doesn't go, if he doesn't go to his if he doesn't go to his game, he's being known as is not a great father. But if he does go to the games, like, why are you leaving your team high and dry? I'm like, bro, like, you, you, you family first, no matter
2: what. At the end of the day, sport is there. We consume,
0: we consume, we as consumers, like, watch sport for entertainment.
2: But don't really take in that the players are also humans too. The athletes are humans too, and that they do have lives. And this shouldn't even be a topic of discussion.
0: Like, I. This shouldn't even be a topic of discussion that, like,
2: should he go watch his son's debut? Heck yeah. He's being a father first. Like, like he's doing the right thing. Like, it shouldn't even be a topic of discussion. And I rate and I, and 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 LeBron's always been a family man first. This man's always had his family at the forefront. With Savannah, Bryce, Bronny, Zuri, his mom Gloria. Kept his circle close and irate, and people are just gonna hate, all, hate
0: hate hate to hate. And as for Brony,
2: because a real, mo- I'm happy for the kid. Because to be on the verge. We,
0: we don't really know how serious it would have been. Like to be on the verge of like life or death because cardiac arrest is no joke. Whether it's like mild or major, it's no joke to deal with,
2: and especially at that young of an age. To working, your butt off to working to working your way back to being cleared. And to play basketball again, and to play the game that you love,
0: the amount of perseverance and dedication it took for him to get back to the
2: stage, I'm happy for the kid. And I know expectations should be tempered for him because, like,
0: for goodness sakes, this man just came off of a cardiac arrest. Like, it ain't easy
2: coming back from that. But seeing him on the court, just in general, is just going to be a win for everyone. And that's the sort of stories that should be covered. Might I add. In
1: LeBron's quote, he said, family over everything. And he's definitely got to see his son play his first game whenever he's ready to go. And I will correct myself a little bit. He has... The Dockers have cleared him for a full return to basketball. But... The USC staff are going to reevaluate him this week. They're going to let him go practice next week to then start participating in, in USC games. So we'll see when he is ready to go. That's why the dates for the games are starting in the end of December. I expect he'll probably come back for I'd say the Cal game, January 3rd, would be my guess. If there is a game where the two teams play on the same day, the Lakers and USC. Mm-hmm. But but we'll have to see when Bronny makes his debut because he will make a debut for USC this year. And now I'm wondering if Bronny will declare next year, this year or if he'll wait a year and go back to USC next year or even if he'll transfer to go to a different school or, or what have you. But I am definitely curious to see how Bronny James does at USC in his first year, in his first games at the college level. And even what USC looks like with Bronny James in the lineup. Because I don't think he'll start. I think he'll come off the bench. But we'll see what they look like with Bronny James. And obviously the circus that will come with Bronny James because he's LeBron James' son. Because let's, be, let's not kid ourselves here. There's going to be a circus following USC mm-hmm. when it comes to Bronny James. There just is. Yeah. Because of who his dad is. Because of the athletes that are going to show up and watch in droves and all of that stuff. It, like It's going to be a circus. Mm-hmm. I just hope it doesn't take away from Bronny James's play. That's all I hope for. Because I'd like to see the young man have a chance. And I can say young man, because I am older than him, barely, but I am older than him. Can't be able to say young man since, like, five years ago, but anyway. <laughs> um, You know, I hope that he's able to just play and not be, I'll say, taken over, but be kind of swept up in the, the storm that's going to come. Is, you think mm-hmm. ESPN and Fox are gonna let go by that Bronny James is playing his first game at college level, and the positive Problem, and negatives yeah. of it, and will he play well? Will he play bad? And everyone taking their hot takes of him playing like garbage or him playing well or whatever.
2: This man
0: just came back from a cardiac arrest, and they want to have this these sorts of, sort of conversation.
1: And then the brother <laughs> probably gonna the, cage.
0: It makes no sense. It literally makes no sense. I'm like, what else do you think he like? If he plays well, great. If he doesn't play well, that's fine, too. Either a way, either way, he's a freshman. He came back from cardiac arrest, and he's on the court.
2: Some people have cardiac arrest and either don't recover from him, take lengthy re- recovery period, or worse, die.
0: This man beat the odds and is, and, and is one step close to going back on the basketball court. That
2: alone should be a win, and nothing else should be discussed. Anything that, if he, if he does great, that's a bonus. But talking about whether a kid should be playing bad or good, coming back from that? Like, bro, what
1: are, we on? what are y'all on? And I will say, I hope I'm wrong in that prediction, Cage. I hope I am wrong with that prediction. But I'm willing to bet that I'm not going to be.
0: I hope because that you're I mean, wrong too, but I know but I but knowing how mainstream media is, I, it would not shock me. It wouldn't shock me either.
1: But I think that's it. I like think we're out. Yep. Served as set and ready. So for Cajun Thiru, Fanny Castle, I'm Spencer Byers. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of Polar Opposites here on the Outrage Jink.